Man, there's certain jobs that can be done by robots. So what can your people offer that is unique and distinct and better than the robot? They can offer their humanity. So why on earth as a leader would you create a culture and a structure and a system that completely diminishes their humanity? Drives me freaking up a wall. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, you are joining in at the tail end of a series that has just been so fun to record, but even more than it's been fun to record, it's been so exciting to watch how the leaders that we get to work with every day in the Path for Growth community as part of the larger, more extended audience associated with the podcast and our Worth It Wednesday email have been taking these concepts and have been taking these principles and applying them in their workplaces, in their communities, with their families. And that's because the series that we're in is on the five qualities of effective coaching. And one of the things that we ask fundamentally at the beginning of this series is a very basic question, a very simple question, what do leaders do? And the answer that we submitted to that question is that effective leaders unleash the best in others. And in the process of unleashing the best in others, every leader, if they're going to be effective, needs to wear a wide variety of hats. Sometimes they need to wear the hat of CEO, sometimes mediator, sometimes manager, sometimes facilitator, sometimes uh, conflict resolution driver. (laughs) Uh, There's a wide variety of hats that they need to wear. And one of the hats that I think is most important and often most impactful for impact-driven leaders to wear is the hat of coach. And so it's in that context that we've been walking through five qualities that we've pinpointed as a coaching company that make coaches effective. Now, are these the only five qualities that coaches should focus on? Probably not. But these are the five that we're focusing on. And I'll tell you, this: uh, the reason for recording this series is kind of twofold. Number one, I think it's really, really helpful for the people that we work with, impact-driven leaders, to be able to step up their game in terms of being able to host and hold and facilitate and drive one-on-one coaching conversations. If we are going to lead effectively, then we need to be people who are practiced and intentional about investing in people through the context of purposeful conversation. And I believe that one of the greatest roles you can play to do that is the role of coach. And so I think this is important for anyone that claims to be a leader. And by the way, the way we define leadership is that if someone depends on you, then you are a leader. So the question is not, are you leading? The question is, how are you leading? And one of the ways you can improve the way that you're leading, make sure you're taking people up instead of taking them down, encouraging them instead of discouraging them, upgrading them instead of degrading them, is by intentionally developing yourself as a coach. So that was the first fundamental purpose of recording this series. But then the second fundamental purpose is we are a coaching business that is focused on developing coaches on our team to coach business leaders the path for growth way. And so I'd be remiss not to share with you that I'm recording this as training content. I am sharing with you the content that will be part of our trainual for walking coaches through how to coach the path for growth way. And this is the playbook. This is 
what we do. So you're getting a front row seat to that. And we all get to apply this together. And so the five qualities that we focused on have been relational because people don't care what you know until they know that you care or that you show that you care. Uh, Curious because good leaders give answers to people. Great leaders extract answers from people assertive. Uh, We said that sometimes the best way to help people is by asking a great question, but other times one of the best ways to help people is by making a powerful statement and that wise and impact-driven leaders understand and discern when to leverage questions and when to leverage statements. And then we focused on the directional nature of coaching because leadership is about taking people from here to there and people are always asking the question, where are we going? And so as a coach, you need to be able to excel in the realm of providing and assisting and finding direction by operating on three different planes, the conversational plane, the situational plane, and the existential plane. And that brings us to the fifth quality. It feels like we're uh, ending a long road trip together because we're finally arriving at our destination. We're finally arriving at our fifth quality of effective coaching. And that is that effective coaching is principle-based. And I will tell you, it took me a while uh, after starting this business to even identify that this was a strength for us as a company and a strength for me as an individual. Because so often, and this is a principle, uh, people's greatest strengths are often the hardest to see and identify. And so I just hope you all hear this just as a side tangent. A lot of times you as a leader can't see your greatest strengths and you need other people to see it for you. But one of the things that can often happen if you are really, really good at something is you may have worked on it a little bit. You may have honed it. You may have crafted it, but we all know we have those strengths. We have those things that we are naturally adept at that in some ways it it almost isn't the correct word to, to call them a strength. We should just be calling them a gift because there are certain strengths that we all have and you've got them that it's not like you worked really hard for it. It was just given to you. It was a present. It was a gift. And so the first thing we should do is be outrageously grateful for that. But then the second thing we have to do is be outrageously deliberate and diligent and disciplined with regard to how we steward that gift. Your gifts were not given to you to be stagnant. And so that's obviously a little bit of an aside, but I think it's important, and especially for the context of how we landed on this fifth quality of effective coaching, because one of the things that I've done truly, I can remember doing this as far back as elementary school, is I've been able to look at situations and been able to kind of see patterns and then in some ways, communicate principles. And um, I think that is my communication style. I think it's the way that I think. And it was one of those things that it is truly a gift, I believe, from God. It's something that I didn't really work a ton on. Now I've honed it and I've sharpened it and I've started to find what it actually is. But it's not something that I've really focused on a ton. And as a result, when we started building this business and I realized, okay, that's one of the things that makes me successful as a coach is the ability to assess a wide variety of variables and complexity and situations and circumstances and say, okay, let's rise above that and draw out the overarching principles. I just thought that that was incredibly simple and something that everyone could do. And uh, one of the things that we learned as we started kind of trying to define, okay, how do we train coaches is 
I learned that, okay, that's actually a gift for me. It's a strength for me. And it's not like you can just tell people, oh, find the principle and they automatically know how to do that. It turns out that that is a skill that must be developed. And what's so cool is in our time uh, working with Kelly and Olivia, who are both so good at this and working with Zach. And I mean, we work with our whole team on this. One of the things that, that we've seen is this skill can be developed. And that's so cool because it means that if you're not a principle-based thinker today, you could be one tomorrow. And that's rooted in everything that we believe at Path for Growth. You as a human being are not stagnant. There is always forward motion to be had if you're willing to take the step. And so what's so cool is this is a skill that can be learned. And once I recognized that, I I really kind of had to get down to brass tacks and say, okay, how do we teach this? And I will tell you, I am no expert on this yet. And and we are working on it. It's something that I'm thinking about a lot. It's something that our team is working on a lot of, okay, how do we break this down into simple steps for identifying and articulating principles that lift people's eyes above the variables and complexities of the present situation? And so that's something that we're focused on as, as a team a lot right now. And we're going to get better at this as we are building this business. But what you're listening to today is my first at bat at trying to teach principle-based thinking and therefore principle-based coaching. And, and that's really one of the principles that I want to highlight at the beginning of this episode. So this is going to be kind of a meta episode because within the episode about principles, we're going to have a lot of principles. If you want to be better at principle-based coaching, you have to apply yourself to principle-based thinking. I'm going to say it again. If you want to be better at principle-based coaching, you have to be better at principle-based thinking. And what's so cool about this is I think for so many reasons, I just have seen and believe that this one quality can transform the quality of your conversations, the way you solve problems, and the way you look at the world. Uh, and so that's why I'm so excited to be sharing this with you today. And we're going to walk through this very methodically because it's obviously a topic that we want to make sure we communicate in a way that's easy to understand and easy to apply. And so I want us to answer four questions in our time together today. Number one, what is a principle? Number two, why does it matter? Number three, what do principles do uh, for you and for the person you're coaching? And then number four, how do we practice principle-based coaching? So we're going to be focusing on what, why, and how. And so let's start with what is a principle. Well, I'm going to give you the uh, online dictionary definition, and then I'm going to give you the definition that we've kind of distilled for Path for Growth Coaches. So the dictionary definition. A principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. And that phrase, chain of reasoning, might be worth keeping in your mind as we go throughout this episode, because what we're talking about doing here whenever we talk about principle-based thinking and by extension, principle-based coaching, is we're talking about getting to the core of things. We're talking about understanding what are the overarching laws and rules that govern the complexities of what's currently going on, and then being able to distill those into a statement of truth that can be absorbed and that can be applied. So now let's go to the path for growth definition that we teach to our coaches and that I leverage for my coaching as well. A principle is a concisely communicated statement of truth that transcends circumstance. 
I'm going to say it again. A principle is a concisely communicated statement of truth that transcends circumstance. A couple things probably worth breaking down about this definition. Number one, concise. Concise is not the shortest way to say something. Concise is the most efficient way to accomplish the objective you want to accomplish. And that's a really important distinction, right? Just because something is short, I have seen so often that people in an effort to be concise make something really short. And in making something really short, they stripped the principle of its meaning. And so we want to make sure we don't do that. When we're talking about concise, we're saying, what is the most streamlined way with the least waste possible to send the message that I desire to send? That's what we're saying whenever we say the word concise. And we may spend some more time on that in future episodes on effective communication. But it's a principle is a concisely communicated statement of truth. This is a statement of truth. And that is one of the kind of criteria that you can run through your head whenever you have a principle that you want to teach, right? Is, is this a statement of truth? Do I believe that this is true? And does this truth transcend circumstance? So when I say transcend circumstance, I'm saying, does this truth rise above individual ebbs and flows and current events as something that we would just largely agree is true. And so what was the principle that we used at the beginning of this episode? We can focus on that as an example. If you want to get better at principle-based coaching, you need to get better at principle-based thinking. I just believe that is true. And I believe that is true regardless of whether you're in high school or whether you're 80 years old. I believe that's true regardless of where you live in the country. I believe that that's true whether you're new to this industry or old to this industry. I just believe that's a statement of truth. And so as a result, that represents a principle and it's the most concise way I know to communicate it. Again, if you want to get better at principle-based coaching, you have to get better at principle-based thinking. That in itself is a principle. And so that's what we're going to be looking for here. And we're going to start talking about how do we extricate that and how do we how do we grapple with that? And then you can go on and on too about how to communicate things in such a way that they will be remembered. I would call those sticky statements. And um, we're probably not going to get super in-depth on that in this conversation today just because I want to hit on the basics and I want to hit on the fundamentals. So that's what a principle is. And now I want us to focus on why it matters. And I was thinking about how I typically teach principle-based thinking and principle-based coaching whenever we do team trainings with teams around the country. And I get to go in and spend time with people's teams at their offices. And the thing that I always find myself referencing is a book and a subsequent article by Peter Drucker, who's the father of modern management, on how effective executives make decisions. And so instead of just trying to summarize that for you, I just figured I'd read to you what Peter wrote and we'd kind of unpack it a little bit. So this is at the core of why I believe that principle-based thinking and principle-based coaching is so important. Here's what it says. Effective executives do not make a great many decisions. They concentrate on what is important. They try to make the few important decisions on the highest level of conceptual understanding. Don't forget that, okay? Uh, this is Alex talking, not Peter. I want you to remember that phrase. Highest level of conceptual understanding. 
Okay, now back to Peter. They try to find the constants in a situation to think through what is strategic and generic rather than to solve, quote, problems. They are therefore not overly impressed by speed in decision-making. Rather, they consider virtuosity in manipulating a great many variables a symptom of sloppy thinking. They want to know what the decision is all about and what the underlying realities are which it has to satisfy. They want impact rather than technique, and they want to be sound rather than clever. Oh my gosh. I mean, this guy had it all figured out way before everyone else. Like he he just knows what's going on here, right? Because he's saying, um, we need to get above things. And the leader that gets in the trenches and in the weeds and solves every problem as a one-off whack-a-mole solution, and he never lifts his head or she never lifts her head to understand, okay, what are the overarching patterns of what's going on here? And how do we establish some frameworks, some rules, some values, and some guidelines so that we're not just answering every question one-off, we're answering questions with a higher level of stable and steady principles. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, second paragraph from Peter. Effective executives know when a decision has to be based on principle and when it should be made pragmatically on the merits of the case. This is important to understand. They know the trickiest decision is between the right and wrong compromise, and they have learned to tell one from the other. They know that the most time-consuming step in the process is not making the decision, but putting it into effect. Unless a decision has degenerated into work, it is not a decision. It is at best a good intention. This means that while the effective decision itself is based on the highest level of conceptual understanding, the action commitment should be as close as possible to the capacities of the people who have to carry it out. Above all, effective executives know that decision-making has its own systematic process and its own clearly defined elements. So as a leader, part of your job is to make decisions. And certainly for the people you coach and the people that you're investing in and trying to get them to grow and learn, one of the things that they're responsible for in their life is making decisions. And so that's the powerful part about principles is it helps people's eyes lift above the complexities and variables of the individual decisions and say, what are the overarching principles? But here's what's important. If you're coaching someone, you're going to help them identify the principles, but then they are going to work with you and collaborate with you. And we're going to talk about this here in just a second about how to make the principle practical, how to make the principle pragmatic. And that's something you shouldn't tell people. That's something you should ask people. You can absolutely help them define the principle and state the principle assertively. That's one of the things we talked about in the assertive episode is that healthy assertions are principle-based. But once we define that healthy assertion around, this is a principle that I know to be true, well, then we are going to collaborate with them, work with them, often ask them questions to extract. In light of that principle, what are the desired next steps or actions? So truly, what Peter Drucker is saying um, in these two brilliantly communicated paragraphs is that if you want to be a leader of leaders, your role and responsibility is to get above the minutia of the situation to identify the overarching principles. 
And there's so many reasons why I would just challenge you as a leader to focus on getting good at becoming a principle-based thinker. But I want to give you some of the benefits that I've received from this, and I've seen others who have grown in this. Um, So many of our coaches that we work with that we're developing right now, I've seen them derive these benefits from starting to practice and develop the skill of principle-based thinking, and it just makes me so excited. And so I want to walk through some of the benefits of what principle-based thinking will do for you and also what principle-based thinking will do for the people that you coach. Um, So we're going to walk through four of them. I think principle-based thinking and principle-based coaching, what does it do? It simplifies, it solves, it scales, and it separates. Number one, simplify. So one of the things that we've kind of already acknowledged uh, in this episode is that when people come to you in the context of a coaching conversation, a lot of times uh, they will come to you with a wide variety of issues and challenges and situations. And one of the things that you almost always learn quickly as a coach is you can never have all of the answers in the back of your head. There's no way you will be prepared for every situation. The minute you think you are prepared for every situation, every question, there will be one that comes out of left field that's like, oh my God gosh, I wasn't expecting that, right? And so there's all these different things going on. There's all these different variables going on and no one's life story is exactly the same. No one's business is exactly the same. No one's industry is exactly the same. And so it's like, man, like, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this? Well, that's the beautiful part about principle-based thinking and principle-based coaching is it helps you get above all of that to say, okay, what are the things that are just always true? It simplifies. This is one of the things that I try to explain to people whenever they ask, okay, well, what industry do you like? Do you work with as a coach? And what industry does Path for Growth work with? And what, what industry are your calls focused on? And I tell them, well, we've got people in landscaping. We've got people that own marketing agencies and branding agencies. We've got people that run manufacturing plants. We've got people that own veterinary hospitals. We've got someone that runs a massive network of charter schools. Uh, gosh, we've got people that build pools. And they look at me like I have four eyes. They're like, how do you know so much about all those different things? And I, uh, th- These are people that typically aren't involved in the business space, in the business world. And I kind of laugh and I just look at them. I say, I know nothing about all those different things. The amount that I know about each of those different industries and spheres is so small, it's not even funny. And I'm so grateful for that because being removed from the industry gives me the ability to objectively identify the overarching principles. And it's the same for all of the coaches on our team, right? We really work hard to not become overly enmeshed in someone's industry because what we want to focus on is the overarching principles and truth that apply to scaling and building a business in a healthy way and being a leader that is worth following regardless of industry. And so what's so cool is we can take everything associated with your industry and we can simplify it into some really clear principles. But I want to give you an example of how this has played out for me. And it's a personal example. So it was in the month of June that I made the decision for a wide variety of reasons that I wanted to get rid of everything that I own. And specifically, I said the goal, I said, I want everything that I own to fit into one Rubbermaid box with the exception of my bikes, which I can put on the back of my forerunner. And so that was the goal. I said, I want to get rid of everything I own with the exception of one Rubbermaid box, big Rubbermaid box. <laughs> I have a friend that always says, you travel with Tupperware only. And I say, no, it's it's not Tupperware. It's, it's a big Rubbermaid box, right? But it fits in the back of my car. 
And uh, so that's what I wanted to do, right? And and that's a pretty big undertaking. And it was a pretty big undertaking because there's all these things that I have. And you, you kind of have to make a lot of decisions in a very short period of time about, okay, what stays and what goes. And I had, I, I wasn't a hoarder by any means, but I had a fair amount of stuff, just like we all have a fair amount of stuff. And so I was like, okay, how am I going to make all these decisions? And I quickly learned that my first strategy was a failing strategy because my first strategy was I'm going to go through each individual thing and make the decision individually. And that would have taken forever, to quote the Sandlot, right? It would have taken so long because I'm not going to sit there and look at everything and and walk through the trade-offs and everything about whether or not it makes the box or not. I couldn't do that, right? And so as a result, I had to establish some overarching rules and some underlying principles for what stays and what goes, And so I stepped back for a little bit and just said, okay, what are some principles that I know to be true that apply to this situation? Because that will help me simplify, and that's what we're talking about right now, simplification. That will help me simplify all of the decisions that I'm making right now. And so one of the principles that I identified as I was cleaning out everything and going through everything is I said, okay, principle number one, things that can be bought can typically be rebought. I said, okay, that's worth remembering and worth reckoning with. Now, think about how that fits into our definition, a statement of truth that transcends circumstance. That is just true. Things that can be bought can typically be rebought. Now, the word typically is really important. And so that made me realize as I was kind of going through stuff that, okay, I can always buy it again. And that's a principle. That's just true. And so that helps me simplify to know like, okay, if it can be rebought, then it probably doesn't make the box. The things that probably should make the box are the things that can't be rebought because that is an anomaly. That is something that obviously carries a different value, okay? The second principle that I focused on in this decision-making process, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, okay? So you may hear that and you'd be like, okay, I agree that that's true. That is a principle, but how does that apply? Well, I found myself sitting there and I said, okay, maybe I should look through the lens of what I've used. And if I haven't used this in the past year or worn these clothes in the past year or read this book in the past year or used this appliance in the past year, then that's a pretty good predictor that I probably won't be using it in the next year. And so therefore, it probably shouldn't make the box. So you again, you can see how these principles are helping me make decisions, right? So things that can be bought can typically be rebought. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And then the other principle that I had to learn and reckon with is sentimental value is value. And I think we can all agree that that is a statement of truth. So there were certain things that I would come across and I'd say, I I need to save that because that's pretty expensive and I don't want to give that away, right? But then there were other things that I came across and I said, well, if expensive is the rule, then, I mean, this is a notebook, right? Or these are a, a box of thank you notes, right? Why would I save this if expensive is the rule? And that's when I realized the principle, sentimental value is value. And so it doesn't mean that necessarily anything that carries sentiment with it goes in the box, but it does mean that I can rationally make decisions in a logical way by judging the sentimental value of things. 
And so certainly if something can't be rebought and it carries sentimental value and I've used it in the past year, that thing's going in the box. But man, if one or two of those thing principles can't be checked off or if none of them can be checked off, the decision is already made for me. And so what's so cool is it didn't even feel like I was making the decisions anymore. It felt like the principles were making the decisions. It took all of these complexities, all these variables, all of these questions surrounding each individual object and distilled it into three principles because principles simplify. What else do principles do? Well, they solve. Listen to me real quick. If you want to make someone's day better, help them solve a problem. If you want to make someone's life better, help them learn a principle. We're going to refer to this a lot in this episode because it is a principle worth remembering. I'm going to say it again. If you want to make someone's day better, help them solve a problem. If you want to make someone's life better, help them learn a principle. So we're talking about principle-based coaching now, and certainly you can get into the weeds with someone and help them solve the problem that's bugging them today, whether it be with a team member, whether it be with building a habit, whether it be with uh, something they're struggling with personally or a relationship or uh, all sorts of different things, right? We could get into the weeds with them and help them solve that. And, And there is value generated by that. So we shouldn't knock that type of coaching, right? It's just not the highest return that we can get on our time together because the highest return that we can get on our time together is, man, If we can extract the principle associated with this problem, then I can make sure that you are equipped, number one, to think critically about how you solve this problem today. I can also make sure that as your coach, I can ensure that you are equipped to solve every problem that looks like it in the future. Because you didn't just say, okay, how do we solve this individual issue? You said, okay, what are the principles associated with this issue that transcend the circumstances that could be applied to issues in the future? They help you solve. And probably what we should be saying is principles help you simplify and then principles help you sustainably solve. Okay, let's move on to the next one. They simplify, they solve, they scale. Listen to me real quick. If you want compliance establish policies. If you want creativity, establish principles. I really deeply believe this. If you want compliance, if you just want people to follow the rules and do things your way all the time and make sure they check the boxes, establish policies. And I'm not knocking policies. I think there's certain times whenever we need policies, especially if you're a heart surgeon, right? I would would rather you not be too creative with how you're going to fix my heart, right? Uh, I, I would be super thrilled if you checked the boxes, right? But... In other situations, and especially if you work in, in the knowledge industry, which so many of us do, we're, what we're looking for is for people to act like people and not robots. And what's crazy is when Peter Drucker was writing, uh, robots weren't a reality, right? That was It was something that was talked about as being in the future, but it wasn't reality. Now it's like, man, there's certain jobs that can be done by robots. So what can your people offer that is unique and distinct and better than the robot? They can offer their humanity. So why on earth as a leader would you create a culture and a structure and a system that completely diminishes their humanity? Drives me freaking up a wall. 
So, so what do we want as leaders? Well, we want people's creativity. We want people's ability to solve problems on their own. We want people to be able to say, I'm not just going to do what they tell me to do. I'm going to go above and beyond by being able to think for myself and act like a human being. Gosh, I mean, this is why I can get kind of mad with these multi-billion dollar organizations because I have friends that work for multi-billion dollar organizations and they get treated like an automaton. They get treated like they don't have any sense of judgment, like they don't have any sense of creativity, like they don't have ideas. Basically, the management style is just do what we tell you to. I hate it because that's not leadership at all. If you want compliance, establish policies. If you want creativity, establish principles. And what's so cool about this is that principles scale. And I would tell you, if you are in a place as a leader where you constantly feel bugged by people's questions and by people raising their hands and by people knocking on your door and by solving issues one-off and by running around and putting out fires. There are a multitude of issues that could be associated with that. But I would tell you more often than not in my time coaching people, what I've found is that one of the greatest things you can focus on at a conceptual level that will help solve all of those other things is become a principle-based thinker, leader, and coach. Because if you can become a principle-based thinker, leader, and coach, you will teach others the principles through which they shall be thinking through. And then you won't have to address every individual situation because you've equipped and empowered people with the principles necessary to make decisions on their own. Principle-based leadership and coaching skills. Think about the way Peter Drucker started that first paragraph that I read you. Effective executives do not make a great many decisions. I mean, when he wrote that, and even now, that should be mind-blowing to people, right? What? I mean, there's certain elements of business literature that say your job as a leader is to make decisions. And there's a lot of you that are making decisions all day, every day. And Peter Drucker is kind of obliterating that. He's saying you shouldn't be doing that because you should be making a small number of decisions that have the greatest number of ramifications. What do you think core values are? Core values, to use an example, at Path for Growth, we have five, right? Point to Jesus, alignment, freedom, and responsibility, treat people like friends, and strength is for service. And what's so cool is with those five core values and with our mission statement, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. We've clarified why we exist and what we stand for. We've clarified some overarching truths. And what we tell people is, man, make sure what you're doing fits in with those overarching truths. Make sure that you're filling the roles and responsibilities and success statements that we've given you for your seat on the bus. And within that, make decisions. If you need to spend money, spend some money. If you need to have an extra conversation, have an extra conversation. Because we've established the overarching principles. And beyond that, we want you to have outrageous freedom. And so that's what we're talking about there. It scales, right? And and that's one of the reasons why I'm not outrageously stressed out. Because if you don't do this, the faster your business grows, the more stressed you become. And what's so cool is our business is currently right now speeding up. And you know what's happening to my stress level? It's going down. It's crazy. I, I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm like, what is happening? I am less stressed now than I was six months ago, and we have more responsibility. This, I mean, this is mind-blowing. Now, I have our team to thank for that a lot, for sure. But what's so cool is Zach and myself, we established some principles towards the beginning, and we've given them those, those principles. And what's so cool is Olivia and Kelly and Danielle and Duke, they're all running with them. They're getting after it. It's just so exciting. Okay. 
okay, I went on a little bit long about that, but I, I think it's worth highlighting because I think so often we think the path to scalability goes through tactics, and in reality, the path to scalability goes through principles. So principles simplify, principles solve, principles scale, and then principles separate. This is so important if you're going to be a high-caliber coach for people. There will be times where people come to you with issues, challenges, and problems that are not only complex, but that are emotionally laden. A lot of times these deal with the human side of business. It can be related to relationships. It can be related to decisions. It can be related to receiving bad news or, or grappling with reality. And if you are playing the role of coach and doing all the things we talked about in the first four qualities where you're being relational and curious and assertive and directional, you're going to have moments consistently where people trust you enough to come to you with these types of challenges and these type of problems. And what a gift that is, right? And it never gets lost on me that uh, the people that we work with trust me enough to hold that with them and to sit in that with them. And, and I never take that for granted. And so the first thing I would say with regard to all of that is the first thing you should say anytime someone brings you something deeply emotionally laden that they clearly care about is just say thank you. I try to always say thank you for trusting me with that because that's a big deal. Vulnerability is a big deal. It is literally saying, okay, I am going to make myself exposed in front of you. I'm not just going to show you my achievements. I'm going to show you my weaknesses and my fallibilities and my insecurities. And so the first thing that we always need to respond with is empathy and gratitude in that situation. But then after you respond with empathy and gratitude, um, we need to remember what our role and responsibility is. And people hire you as a coach to be objective. That's really important. And the, the same can be true if you're coaching someone in your community, if you're coaching someone on your team. One of the greatest pieces of value that you can provide to them is the fact that you are not overly connected to the situation in which they are involved. And I can't tell you the number of times I, I kind of just think to myself, oh my gosh, that, I mean, like, this is kind of crazy that this is true. <laughs> Sometimes I feel responsible for uh, quite a few people losing their jobs <laughs> because I have a conversation with a leader and the thing that they are so subjectively and emotionally tied to is just black and white clear to me. And why is that? Well, it's not because I'm super smart or something like that. It has nothing to do with that, right? It's actually probably in spite of my intelligence level. It, it, it's just that... I've never had to look the person in the eye. I've never had to see this person try and fail. I've never had to have a conversation with them, and I'm not going to be the person that's going to have to fire them. And so you could look at that and say, well, you're just cold and heartless. And it's like, no, it's not a cold and heartless. It's objective. And objectivity as a coach is one of the most valuable things that you can provide because what is objectivity? Well, it's the ability to see things in an untampered way. Because emotions and circumstances and past experience and tendencies and personal fallibilities of the leader, they can all get wound up in our heart and mind and keep us from seeing what is actually true. And oftentimes, especially in the example that we're discussing right now, what's actually true is, hey, this person probably should have been off your team six months ago. 
But how do we have that conversation? Well, what's so cool is what is a principle? It's a statement of truth that transcends circumstance. You can be really cold and heartless as a coach if you just run right off the bat and say, you got to fire that person. You got to get rid of them. Way better to enter into the conversation of, hey, there's a couple things that I know you believe to be true. And so a lot of times what I'll tell people, hey, there's a couple things that I know you believe to be true. The health and well-being of your team is your greatest competitive advantage. Culture trumps competency. Values matter more than anything else. Three principles, right? Three principles. And I'll look at them and say, I know you believe this. Is that correct? And, and they'll say yes. And they'll say, okay, well, then in light of those things, what do you think has to happen with this person? And whenever you establish the overarching truth, what's so helpful about that principle-based line of coaching and thinking is it removes all that emotion. It removes all that circumstance. It removes all the heartache. And it just says, what do I have to do? And you're not cold in the way you present that. You're not heartless in the way you present that. You're just sharing with them truth. And truth is just true. And then they are able to make a decision. And so when I say separates, it has this incredible ability to isolate truth from things that often latch on to it. And that's what we're talking about whenever we say that principle-based coaching separates. So what does principle-based coaching and thinking do for you as a leader? Well, it simplifies, it solves, it scales, and it separates. Y'all, if you can't tell, I'm just so energized by this topic, and that's because I'm just seeing the evidence of how it's impacted my life and my growth and my leadership. Uh, I think it's one of the things that has contributed to our healthy growth as an organization. It's probably one of the reasons why I don't feel a great deal of stress right now, why I'm just on top of the world excited about everything that's going on right now. But then beyond that, I've seen how this skill can be used to develop people and so what's so cool is we're sharing this with the coaches on our team because we constantly want them to be leveling up on how they're developing in uh, principle-based thinking and principle-based coaching. But then we also want our customers and, and their teams to be leveling up and how they're being principle-based thinkers and principle-based coaches. And so uh, I just say that as a little bit of a caveat for why I'm spending so much time on this. And uh, it's in that light that I think probably what we should do, because I actually have to run for a phone call, is that we should probably do uh, qualities of effective coaching part six, part two. <laughs> uh, that'll be a lot of fun, right? Uh, and and I was thinking to myself as I was recording this, I was like, can I do that? And I was like, sure, I can do that. <laughs> I, I own it. So we're going to do that because I think that that will help us really focus on the content that we presented today and then go a little bit more practically into how do we practice principle-based coaching on the next content episode. So be on the lookout for that. And I'll be excited to unpack that content with you as well. Um, hey, real quick, before we go, one of the things that we are committed to doing as a, a, an organization is sending principles to the impact-driven leaders in our community every single week. And we do that through something called Worth It Wednesday. That's because I believe that most email isn't worth it. And so every Wednesday, we strive to send at least one that actually is worth your time and worth your energy. And so uh, every Wednesday, we send a principle worth learning. And therefore, what you can be on the lookout for is a concisely communicated statement of truth that transcends circumstance, like we talked about in this episode, uh, a question worth answering to help you 
take the principle and make it practical and then a recommendation worth taking. And sometimes that recommendation is related to the principle at hand. Uh, Sometimes it's way more related to chips and salsa because I'm obsessed with chips and salsa. Uh, If you want to sign up for Worth It Wednesday, you can do so at pathforgrowth.com or in the link that's in the show notes. Y'all, I'm just so grateful for you. Um, I want you to know that we're rooting for you as a team. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.